Like absolutely. Absolutely you can like that. All right, y'all clean it up. We're recording now. Uh, especially this group right over here, y'all. Let's test your Christmas knowledge. Uh, if you have your electronic device, you can uh, put your answers down. Put your answers down. Record your answers. We've got 15 questions. We're going to see how much you really know about the Christmas story. No Googling. Don't be cheating looking at, looking at Bible verses. And we will go back over the answers. So 15 questions. Just put one and then put your answer. Y'all get ready. All right, so here we go. Question number one. We're going to test your Christmas IQ. I'm going to tell you all right now, i got like two of these right. Uh, Joseph, number one, Joseph was originally from Bethlehem, Nazareth, Hebron, Jerusalem, or none of the above. Joseph was originally, and if you want to just put A, B, C, D, or E, you can do that too. A, Bethlehem, B, Nazareth, C, Hebron, D, Jerusalem, or E, none of the above. We got this. All right, number two. Number two. A manger is A, a stable for domestic animals, B, wooden hay storage bin, C, a feeding trough, D, a barn, or E, none of the above. I'll go through them again. A, a stable for domestic animals, B, wooden hay storage bin, C, a feeding trough, D, a barn, E, none of the above. Let me ask you Yes. Number three, which animals does the Bible say were present at Jesus' birth? Which animals were present at Jesus' birth, according to the Bible? A, B, C, D, E. A, cows, sheep, and goats. B, cows, donkeys, and goats. C, sheep and goats only. D, miscellaneous barnyard animals. (laughs) Or E, none of the above. Number four. Who saw the star in the east? A, shepherds. Me. B, Mary and Joseph. C, three kings. D, both shepherds and three kings. So D is both A and C, or E, none of the above. Number five. How many angels spoke to the shepherds? A, one. B, three. C, a multitude. D, none of the above. One, three, multitude, or none of the above. Number six, what did the angels say, sing? What did the angels say slash sing? A, glory to God in the highest, etc. B, alleluia. C, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. D, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Or E, glory to the newborn king. A was glory to God in the highest, etc. B, alleluia. C, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. D, joy to the world, the Lord has come. E, glory to the newborn king. 
Number seven, what is a heavenly host? What is a heavenly host? Is it A, the angel at the gate of heaven? B, the angel who serves refreshments in heaven? (laughs) Heavenly host. C, an angel choir? D, an angel army? Or E, none of the above? Angel at the gate? Angel who serves refreshments? Angel at the door, at, uh, I'm sorry, an angelic choir, an angel army, or none of the above. Number eight, what is frankincense? Is it a precious metal, a precious fabric, a precious perfume, or none of the above? A precious metal, a precious fabric, a precious perfume, or none of the above? Number nine and 15. Number nine, what is myrrh? Is it Middle Eastern money? A drink? An easily shaped metal? A spice used for burying people? Or E, none of the above? Middle Eastern money, A. B, a drink. C, an easily shaped metal. D, a spice used for burying people. Or E, none of the above. Number 10. How many wise men came to see Jesus? Three, six, nine, twelve, or we don't know. Three, six, nine, twelve, or we don't know. Number eleven. Where did the wise men find Jesus? Did they find him, A, in a manger, B, in a stable, C, in Nazareth, D, in what is now Saudi Arabia, or E, in a house? In a manger, in a stable, in Nazareth, in what is now Saudi Arabia, or in a house? Number 12. Three more to go after this one. When the wise men found Jesus, he was... A babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. B, a young child. C, a boy in the temple. Or D, a grown man. Babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Young child, a boy in the temple, a grown man. Number 13. The star in the east that the wise men followed. What did it do? Did it A, stay in the same place their entire journey? B, disappear and reappear. C, move ahead of them and stop over the place where Jesus was. D, was just a mirage. Or E, none of the above. Stayed in the same place, disappeared and reappeared, moved ahead of them and stopped over the place where Jesus was. Was just a mirage, none of the above. Two more. And then we'll go over the answers. Number 14, in what books of the Bible do we find the Christmas story? What book or books of the Bible do we find the Christmas story? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of the above. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of the above. Number 15, who told or made or caused Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem? 
who told, made, or caused Mary and Joseph to go to Bethlehem? Was it the angel, Chorus? Mary's mother? Herod? The shepherds? Caesar Augustus? You brought something to keep you occupied today, Kayla. That's good, you know. Anything that gets you through, girl. Anything that gets you through. I know sometimes I'm boring. Number 15, who made Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem? The angel chorus, Mary's mother, Herod, the shepherds, or Caesar Augustus? Okay, how do you think you did? Think you got them all, John? I don't know if I got them all. Okay. Who thinks they probably missed two or less? Two or less? All right. Five or less? Who thinks you got them all wrong? Okay. Let's go over the answers. Number one, Joseph was originally from, if you read Luke 2, verse 3, he worked and lived in Nazareth, but he was returning to Bethlehem, which was his own city. So Joseph was originally from Bethlehem. Correct answer was A, Bethlehem. Who got that one right? Who got it right? Anybody? You, Brayden, you got that one right? You weren't even here for that question, brother. <laughs> Number two, a manger is a feeding trough. So the correct answer was C, a feeding trough. Interestingly enough, most mangers in the New Testament times were made of stone. Uh, as a matter of fact, if I'm, I'm told if you go to Israel today, you can actually see stone mangers that King Solomon used to feed his horses uh, at Megiddo. So that's pretty cool. Number three, which animals does the Bible say were present at Jesus' birth? Correct answer was E, none of the above. The Bible doesn't say. A little bit of a trick question, but we assume that since Jesus was born in a stable, that must have been various barnyard animals present. And this is really a double assumption because the Bible doesn't actually say a barn or a stable. It says he was born in a manger. And since he was born in a manger, then we assume barnyard, stable, and we assume that there were animals present. But it doesn't actually say that. But it's a reasonable inference. Uh, number four, who saw the star in the east? Was it shepherds, Mary and Joseph, three kings? Both shepherds and three kings or none of the above? This is actually a trick question. No, they're not. The Bible says that the Magi saw the star. But it doesn't say how many there were. And it doesn't say that they were kings. It says that they were magi, which that we kind of believe that to be astronomers, that they were just learned scholars, but they were not kings. They were magi. So the answer is what? Actually, the answer is actually E, none of the above, because it wasn't three kings. We don't know how many they were, and they weren't kings. I know it's not what the song says. You know, it's amazing how much of our conceptions about Christmas are shaped by these songs that we've sung uh, and how much of it's really not in the Bible. Uh, number five, how many angels spoke to the shepherds? Anybody? Huh? One. It was one. Luke 2 and 10. Very good. One angel. Luke 2 and 10. Verses 13 and 14 of Luke chapter 2 record what the angel company said as they praised God together. However, only one angel spoke directly to the shepherds. 
That was not a trick question. How many actually spoke? What did the angels say or sing? Glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest, etc., etc., etc. It's Luke 2 and 14. Letter A. That is correct. You got... You got <laughs> All right. Number seven. What is a heavenly host? Did anybody get this one? What is it? It is an angel army. Very good. The word literally means army, and it actually the the word that in its original usage it means thousands. So there was a multitude of heaven's army. So it could have easily have been a thousand, ten thousand, but it's an army. The correct answer is D. So you know, think about that. It's no wonder. You know, people in the in scripture they freaked out whenever they would see one angel. These poor shepherds. It says that they were sore afraid. I mean, you're seeing thousands of angelic, uh, of, of angelic beings that are dressed for war. I mean, it's pretty easy to see why they would be why they would be afraid. Number 8, what is frankincense? It is a precious perfume. Yes. You know, that was actually used in temple worship. Um, it stinks. Well, they used it in temple worship. Number 9, what is myrrh? Spice used for what? Burial. Yeah, this is pretty cool. Whenever King Herod was buried, he was buried with 150 pounds of myrrh wrapped up in his burial clothes. It was basically it was an embalming type of substance. Um, John 19 and 39 tells us that Jesus' body was bound up in linen wrappings along with 75 pounds of myrrh and aloe. So it was uh, the myrrh was a it was a picture of of his eventual suffering and death. Number ten. How many wise men came to see Jesus? We don't know. We always say three. We three kings of Orient, right? But we don't know. Uh, a lot of people assume that there were three because there were three gifts given, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But um, we don't actually know. Now, in ancient times, these, uh, these scholars, these astronomers, they would actually travel town to town, and they would travel in a caravan, usually with an armed escort. Um, but uh, we don't know how many there were exactly. All right, number 11. Where did the wise men find Jesus? Matthew chapter 2, verse 11 says that they found him at his house. Found him at his Yeah, that's the other thing. We assume that they came that night because of the way that That is not true. That's not true. He was already kind of. So, what was the Okay, so yeah, that's the next one, number 12. When the wise men found Jesus, he, was a, he would have been a young child. <clears throat> yeah, if you read uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, when the shepherds found Jesus, he was a babe in a manger, right? That's the Bible. But the Greek word that's used in Luke 2 uh, for newborn, it's the, it is the Greek word for newborn baby in Luke 2. However, by the time the Magi appeared, Jesus had been moved from the manger to a house. And the Greek word that's used in Matthew is the Greek word for a toddler or a young child. So he was probably a couple of years old. And uh, as somebody pointed out, you know, we always see 
in our Christmas scenes, the Magi and the shepherds come together. It's a nice little Christmas tableau there, but that's not the way that it worked. They would have come several months later. All right, I found this one really interesting. The star in the east that the wise men followed. Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. The correct answer was C. It moved ahead of them and stopped over the place where Jesus was. That's a pretty interesting astronomical phenomenon right there. That's number 13. Uh, no? So that was B? 12 was B. And 13 is C. C. Uh, in Matthew chapter 2 and 9, it says the star did not stay stationary over the manger of the house. It, it says very clearly that the star moved in front of the Magi and guided them until it stood over where the young child was. That's pretty cool for a star to move like that. Number 14, in what books of the Bible, book or books do we, in the Bible, do we find the Christmas story? It's actually just Matthew and Luke, A and C, Matthew and Luke. Now this is cool, watch this. Matthew was, the, Matthew was a tax collector, and so he recorded the genealogy of Jesus, which was something that they would have used for taxation purposes. And Luke records the pregnancy and birth of Jesus, and we believe that he was some type of physician. So a little bit of a, you know, a different perspective on the same story because of what their occupations were. That's pretty cool. All right, last question, number 15. Who told or made Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem? Caesar Augustus, very good, right? Caesar declared that everyone would have to go back, and the correct answer was E, by the way, that they had to go back to um, their town of birth to pay taxes. So how'd you do? Eight? You got 11 right? Brayden, how many you get right? You got them all right? You got one right. All right, well, that was pretty fun. You did get two. He's a teacher. You got two. Two right. Yeah, what are you saying? Oh, you missed two. Oh, I got a lot of them wrong whenever I was uh, going through it earlier. There were actually 21 uh, questions on here. I cut some of them out because they really were trick questions. One was like, the night Jesus was born, there was snow in Israel. Well, (laughs) there's always snow on Mount Hebron. There's a ski resort there. There's always snow there. But, you know, at the time, was Mount Hebron actually in the borders of Israel? Some of them were just ridiculous. So we cut those out. I want to talk to you just for a few minutes, and I I don't have a a whole lot here, but um, I came across this earlier in the week, and it kind of stuck with me and decided to run with it today. I've got to give credit to this guy named Sean McAvoy. I don't really know him. I've not read any of his stuff, but he's a managing editor for the website um, Crosswalk, and the central idea for this today came from him. Um, what is your favorite Christmas song? And let's, let's narrow it down and say traditional religious Christian song. Anybody? Oh, have Holy a, Night. Oh, Holy Night. That's mine too. Yeah, that's probably mine. I like that one. Yeah, Anybody else? He likes the Celine Dion version? No, I do. Oh, you do? Okay. Michael Bolton's got a Michael Bolton. Christmas by Michael Bolton, but that's not... Okay. Anybody else? Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Also a good version. Yeah. Um, 
the song Oh Holy Night has a pretty interesting origin. Um, the Christmas carol that we all know was originally composed by this guy named Adolphe Adam in 1847. And it was um, adapted from a French poem written by a guy named Placide Chapeau. And the, the story goes that there was this French town, I can't pronounce it, it looks like Roque Manoeur, but I don't think that's quite right. Um, in 1843, the church organ had been renovated. And so to celebrate the event, the parish priest asked this wine merchant and poet named Placide Chapeau to, com- to commemorate the celebration with a Christmas poem. And Chapeau was a, a devout atheist. He did not ascribe to anything religious, and he hated the clergy, but he did it anyway. And soon after he wrote the poem, this guy named Adolphe Adam wrote the music, and then the song was premiered at this celebration by an opera singer. And then uh, in 1855, a Unitarian minister named John Sullivan Dwight created a singing edition based on this French text and uh, in both the French original and the two familiar English versions of the carol, the text reflects the birth of Jesus and humanity's redemption. One of the better known lines from this song is, A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Uh, that line stands out to me because whenever you do that at the Christmas musical, that's whenever everybody all comes in in unison and it's real big and powerful, right? Um, does Christmas thrill you or does it traumatize you? Does it excite you or does it exhaust you? The line from the song says, a thrill of hope. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Romans 15 and 13 says, says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Children get excited at the coming of this season. And often we might feel a bit of charge through experiencing their excitement. But the chores that we go through to provide Christmas for our children are the very things that often rob us from knowing the wonder of Christmas for ourselves. Think about everything associated with Christmas. You got to plan the party, clean the house, trim the tree, practice the music, perform the music, go listen to the music, go to the mall, scour the internet, Max out the visa, wrap the gift, ship the gift, smoke the turkey, cook the ham, bake the casserole, go to the party, and take a trip. And that's assuming that we aren't one of the multitudes that find themselves hurting during the holidays. Divorce, loss of a loved one, being unemployed, being sick. At Christmas time, some of us are in a hurry, but some of us are hurting. So if Christ coming into this world offers hope, and hope, as the song says, provides a thrill, how do we locate that thrilling experience here in the middle of all the distraction and the disillusionment that goes along with Christmas. That's the cool thing about hope. Because just as total darkness can't hold back the light of even the tiniest flame, so does even the smallest increment of hope provide joy and purpose 
no matter what your circumstances are this Christmas. How many of you have ever heard somebody say, I don't want to get my hopes up? Why did they say that? Why does somebody say, I don't want to get my hopes up? They don't want to be disappointed. They're trying to avoid disappointment. So what then should we make of Paul's statement whenever he says that hope does not disappoint? That's Bible. Paul said that. So what do we make of that statement? Hope does not disappoint. Well, I don't want to get my hopes up because I don't want to be disappointed. Disappointed. Paul's saying no. In hope there is no disappointment. Might the disconnect there have something to do with what we're hoping for? Or what we're expecting? Max Lucado seems to think so. And I read a good bit of Max Lucado to you last Sunday. But this is what Max Lucado said in his book, Love Came Down. Or, I'm sorry, God Came Near. God came near. He said, hope is not what you'd expect. It is what you would never dream. It is a wild, improbable tale with a pinch me, I'm dreaming type of ending. Hope is not a granted wish or a favor performed. No, it is far greater than that. It is a zany, unpredictable dependence on a God who loves to surprise us out of our socks and be there in the flesh to see our reaction. Guys, there is no way that I could have ever conceived of or imagined the plan of salvation through virgin birth. I know this is a little bit weird scenario, but if somebody came to Jason and said, Jason, mankind is lost. They got a sin problem. Come up with a plan to fix it. I probably could have thought of a lot of different things, but God putting on flesh, being born of a virgin, so that He could be here with us and then die on a cross, that's not something that would have entered my mind. No way I could have come up with that kind of solution. Just like I couldn't have come up with Jericho's walls falling down, or three Hebrew boys going through a fiery furnace or pinning Israel's backs against the wall and then having the Red Sea split wide open so they could walk through on dry ground. Guys, you can run down the list in Scripture of the unexpected ways that God brought deliverance and hope. It is crazy, unexpected, out of the norm, inconceivable stuff. So neither do I know how my own problems, I've got problems, I've got issues, and I don't know how they're going to be solved, Lori. And I don't know how your problems are going to be solved. I don't know what kind of miracles we're going to be blessed to see as a result of the problems we have. But if there's one thing that Scripture and the story of Christmas shows us, it's this, that deliverance arrives unexpectedly and perhaps even undeservedly. Just as in the unlikely way that God came to earth to provide a once and for all substitute for our sins. And that's why it's okay when things look bleak. Because that's where hope lives. In those moments whenever things just look to be lost and done and it's a dead end. That's where hope lives. Isaiah 9, 6-7 
Right? We're all familiar with that one. Unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, and his name shall be called. Right? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. We hear that, that scripture or those, that series of scriptures a lot this time of year. But we don't often pay attention to the last sentence in verse 7. It says that the zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. The zeal of the Lord. Whenever you have zeal, what does that mean? It means you're excited. You're passionate. You're enthusiastic. Maybe even obsessive a little bit. So that means that it's the passionate exuberance of God that makes this possible. In my mind, it's like that present that you have for someone that you just can't wait for them to open. Maybe it's something that you bought for your spouse, or maybe it's something that you bought for your kids, but you're just like, I can't, I can't. Now, they've got some other stuff, but I, I really can't wait for them to see this one. I, I can't wait for them to open this one. And you were just full of anticipation over the reaction that you're, you're hoping to get whenever they open that present. How many of y'all have felt that before? No, you know what I'm talking about. Well, in my mind, that's, that's the way God approached this idea of this is how I'm going to win back their relationship with me. I can't wait. I can't wait for Sarah to see, to see what I've done. I can't wait for Steve to see what, what I've got in store this time. Guys, we have hope today. And it's a pretty special, pretty unique kind of hope because it comes from a pretty special, unique kind of God. Romans 15, 13 is it's my Christmas prayer for me and it's my Christmas prayer for you. It says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is there hope? Because Jesus was born. It was a holy night. And that's a thrill. Because God's working. Cool stuff. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this season. We're reminded over and over and over again of what great things you have done, the great thing that you did. Thank you for being that hope for us because we can sit here in this place today and we can have hope for whatever it is we're going through in our lives because you have placed that hope of salvation in us first. Thank you, Lord. We just say thank you today. I pray that all of these people would have just the greatest Christmas season ever. That you would draw near to them and speak to them, Lord, as they think on and reflect on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Merry Christmas, everybody. Y'all have a good day. We'll see you in a few minutes.